Welcome to the Multipurpose Room, a podcast helping school organizations and school administrations achieve their goals. Each episode discusses real-life topics that PTAs, PTOs, and school staff are dealing with. Our hosts and guests offer practical tips, learnings, and best practices to achieve their desired outcomes. And here are your hosts, Wesley and Deborah Jones. So, Deb. It's 2020 and we're in the middle of a pandemic. Everything seems so simple before COVID hit. It's either you had homeschool or you were in person. And now there's a million different options. There's hybrid, there's virtual, there's pods and micro schools. Can you help us understand the definitions of these options? Absolutely. So the way that we'll talk about them in today's episode, we'll talk about homeschooling, which is typically doing your schooling in your home, led often by a parent who's at home or sometimes a homeschool teacher. There's what we'll categorize as brick and mortar schools. So that's your charter school, your private school, your public school, as we all knew them, let's say two years ago. Then we're going to talk about virtual which is really a the way the brick and mortar schools are now offering their curriculums online. We'll talk a little bit about hybrid, which is brick and mortar schools that are offering their curriculum partially in person and partially online. We'll talk about pods, which are groups of students that are learning together, either in that virtual or hybrid model. So in other words, they're following the brick and mortar curriculum but they have a group of them doing it together with a pod leader. We'll talk about micro schools. Think about the reinvention of the one-room school, where it is a private type of school that is really small classrooms and offering a different curriculum than your brick and mortar. Clear as mud? (laughs) So that all seems overly complicated. As a parent, where do I even start with considering options? I would suggest to start with what you were doing before. And I don't mean what you were doing before like last spring, because we all know there was a steep learning curve and a big change last spring. I mean, what were you doing in 2018, 2019? Because typically, whatever you were doing then may work now. Now, it may be reimagined, it may be slightly different, But the chances are that if it worked before and you made that decision before, it likely is still a good fit. If it's not a good fit, given the changes, that's when you should start looking at the other options. So let's start at hybrid versus virtual. Can you kind of break that down and what the options are for those? Sure. If you look across the country, Many brick-and-mortar schools, so again, that's charter, public, or private schools, are no longer offering in-person instruction full-time. So some are, and where they are, really parents are continuing down that path. However, if they aren't, and I believe they are not in 33 states the last time I checked, then you really have two options with the school, the hybrid or the virtual option. And many schools are asking parents to make that choice for the entire school year. So when I say that choice, what I mean is choosing to attend 100% online for the entire school year or choosing to go part-time in person and part-time online. When I say part-time in person, it's usually two or three days a week 
or it may be five days a week, but half days. It depends on the school. And in smaller groups, so class sizes are much smaller. And then doing the remainder of the school week in an online fashion. Okay, that I can understand. But I've also heard about pods. How do these factor in? What is a pod? A pod is really a way that some parents are choosing to handle the fact that kids are home more doing this education and the parents may not be equipped or may not be able to help in that instruction. So what I mean by that is a pod is a group of students that are learning together with a pod leader of some sort, typically hired by the parents. So let's take the virtual example because I think that's easiest. If your school is online virtually, you may form a pod with two, three, four other families and hire a pod leader. That pod leader may be somebody, a tutor, for example, that you hire in person, and they will help guide that group of children through the virtual learning curriculum. So in a pod, you're following the curriculum of your brick and mortar school. So I've also heard about learning centers for pods. Is that different? And you mentioned a cost. What is the typical cost for a learning center or or to run a pod? The cost of a pod varies dramatically depending on the pod leader. If you have somebody that is not necessarily a teacher by training, but more like a babysitter, you're looking at $15 to $25 an hour. If you are talking about going to a learning center, which is a center that has teachers hired, and you go to an actual center where they're providing a place for instruction, that is more in the realm of an hour. And then really there's a third option where organizations such as OutSchool can provide an instructor that is online so it's almost like they are present virtually throughout the school day. And that is another more affordable option. There's also financial assistance available out there. Some Pod leaders, I've heard, for example, of offering spots in their pod uh, for no charge to people who aren't able to afford it. Or there's organizations, I know, for example, OutSchool has a charitable arm that is partnering with brick and mortar schools in order to provide some financial assistance there. So that's really around the cost of pods. So, what are some of the pros and cons of pods? Some of the pros of the pods are that it's a small group of kids getting in-person instruction. So they are getting that social aspect and social emotional development in learning, which is really helpful because that's something that kids are missing online. They're also getting additional support from someone, whether it's a teacher or just a tutor, What I mean by that is it can be very difficult for a teacher teaching a class of 30 kids online to notice if somebody's falling behind, whereas a pod leader right there, particularly if they are an accredited teacher, is able to have that visibility and able to to help the children. Some of the cons of the pod are that it is an additional cost. So you need to figure out a way to cover that cost, whether it's in your personal budget or through outside help. 
And not everybody is able to do that. Another con is the potential health consequences. I mean, you are exposing yourself to more people. And so families need to make the decision whether that is a risk that they are willing to take given um, the, the health issues in the country um, with the pandemic. So that's another potential con. So I joined a pod. Now what? That's something that there has not been as much information out there about. So there are a lot of articles out there on pods and micro schools. I think the New York Times started something back in June and and that really started this pod phenomenon. But now what is a great question. Uh, I've, I've gotten some really good feedback and in my own experience in being in a pod, have gotten some learnings. First, I think it's really important to set some ground rules. So I mentioned one of the potential cons of a pod is the health exposure. You have more people that are interacting with each other. And so I think that everybody needs to have the same ground rules and the same understanding of what each other's families are doing. For example, are you comfortable if another one of your pod members has their I'll pick on 20-year-old cousin who is going out to bars and restaurants and traveling and on airplanes, coming to visit and stay at their house. Are you comfortable if they tell you? Are you comfortable if they don't tell you? Are you not comfortable with that at all? What are people's extended networks like? I think that is a really important discussion to have if there are health concerns. The second is, how do you resolve any issues? So in a pod of two people, let's say, that might be easier. Your pod leader is likely splitting time roughly evenly. In a pod of six people, where maybe one or two children need a little extra help, how do you feel if you're the family of the other four children? Do you feel like your child is getting adequate assistance? Maybe, maybe not. So the one way to to ensure you are having that discussion is to set a finite time limit for your pod. For example, say, we agree to be a pod for six weeks. At that six-week point, people can opt in or opt out. That's a way to ensure that you have a time to discuss and that there are no hard feelings if somebody leaves the pod. In fact, they don't need to even share their reasons. They just say it's the six-week point and we are bowing out. And so that is really important to give that opportunity for people to walk away if things aren't working. And then finally, what happens when school goes back in session? Is there an understanding that the pod disbands? What if school goes back in a hybrid way? Is there an understanding that the pod goes down to part-time? What if the kids are on different schedules, etc.? having a discussion about what happens when things change because we know that this is an ever-changing environment is really important. So I think those three key things, having discussions around health and setting expectations, setting a finite time limit for the pod to allow for an evolution of the pod at a certain juncture, for example, the six-week mark, and then finally having a discussion around what happens to the pod when the model, the school model changes. How do parents get started with creating a pod? Typically, it's through other parents in the school that they were in previously. And so whether they connect with those parents directly because they know them or through a Facebook group, 
that is the most common way I've seen pods get started. A group of families that know each other say, what are you doing for school this year? What are you doing for school this year? And create a pod. The second most common way is just to leverage social media. Facebook groups have been created all about podding and ways to create pods. And that's a way to also find an instructor because oftentimes those pod leaders are making their services available on those groups as well. And then finally, there are paid services that are popping up that offer pod leaders and they will put together a pod based on a group of students interested in that particular leader. So that may be a tutoring service which I've seen more commonly now tutoring services offering pod leaders, but also pod learning centers, which are uh, facilities that offer podding. They may have a leader and put together pods based on students who are interested. Sometimes pods are same grade only. Other times they are mixed grade. I would say the most common scenario is same grade only. But I have also seen both work and just exist out there pods of different grades because the pod leader is able to work with different schedules and different grades. When you have that latter scenario, it's easier to have a smaller pod because there is a lot of variability. Whereas when you have all same grade, the pod size can be larger. What I've seen most commonly is pods as small as three and as large as eight. The last item you mentioned was micro schools. Is that another name for the learning centers? It's a good question, and I can see how somebody would think that. But micro schools don't follow the brick and mortar schools curriculums. In other words, they're totally separate entities. They're a school on their own. They're just a really small school. So think of the one room school of the early days. So they they can be multi-grade, 15, 20 students in the entire school following state standards, but have developed their own curriculum. So that's different than the pod, where the pod is following the brick and mortar curriculum. The micro schools are typically developing and following their own curriculum. And as such, they are a more expensive option. When I looked around, they were about $5,000 a year, all the way up to private school tuition rates. As you're kind of looking at all of this, if you could look into your crystal ball and kind of predict the future, what does the future hold for for schooling? I think that this will evolve our educational system in many ways. The first is I do think some of these virtual experiences that we're having are beneficial. Teachers are relying on a lot more technology to bring in learning experiences that children may not have had access to otherwise. For example, virtual field trips where children who may not be able to go on field trips for a number of different reasons. They may not have access to something in their local area. They may not be able to afford to organize field trips. Whatever the case may be, they can now access these field trips virtually. For example, our youngest daughter's class visited a farm in Uruguay. That's something that, frankly, they wouldn't have gone for a week to Uruguay as kindergartners to uh, visit a farm, but they were able to do that virtually. So I do think that technology is going to be brought into the classrooms, and that will offer a lot of opportunities for all sorts of different students. The second way I think things are going to change is I do think there are going to be more schooling options. We've already seen 
online schools really explode in this time. And so I think people will look at schools in a different way. And the simplicity that you previously mentioned of your brick and mortar versus homeschool is not going to be so clear cut. I think there will be more options for students out there and parents will be making more of those options. We actually have a future episode speaking to a teacher uh, who's a homeschool mom and a teacher on an online platform where we talk a lot more about the evolution of, in particular, those two areas. So I won't spoil that all here, but those are my thoughts about some of the changes. Okay, and and for closing, if you had to give me your top three tips for parents, what would your top three tips be for moving forward in 2020? I would say start with your child. So you know best how your child learns and what is working for them. You probably got a taste of virtual education last spring, and you know how your child reacted to that and what support they needed. So start there. Then look at your prior school. So the school that you were in in the fall of 2019, and what options are they now allowing or affording? Once you've considered those two things and matched them up to see if they work together, then look at should you consider alternatives? Should you layer in a pod? Should you change your school and investigate micro schools or maybe a private school or maybe a 100% online school? Because those options are out there. But I wouldn't start there. Just because there are options does not mean you should spend the time looking at them. Instead, start with your kid. Next, move on to what are the options that your prior school offered. And then finally, look at alternatives if that's where you need to go. So Wes, you're living through this as a parent. What are you doing in this time? So there's a few things that we're doing that's changed from the normal. Specifically, we're using apps strategically to supplement learning times. We are very strategic in in timing of when we're allowing our children to watch television And some of those shows, it's a lot more Nat Geo than it is Disney these days. As well as we're just trying to stay optimistic, keep the kids upbeat and try to tell them that this won't be forever. They miss their friends. So we're taking advantage and using Skype and some of those other tools so that way they can stay connected. And how do you feel about the future? I feel good about the future. I I really think things are going to go back to normal a little bit sooner than later. And hopefully we'll all get there healthy and happy. I feel optimistic about the future as well. And, you know, I'm really fortunate that we're able to do this podcast so that we can talk through a lot of these issues with parents and teachers and administrators. Thank you. It's been great. Make sure to visit our website at themultipurposeroom.school and subscribe to this show. If you like the topics on the show, we share additional resources on our company blog at k12clothing.com and click on blog. Thanks to Squad Locker for making this show possible. And we'll see you next week in the multi-purpose room.